Uh, we're in this series called When Pigs Fly, and we're talking about the impossible becoming possible. Uh, that's the way of God. It's the ways of God. It's what he does. And so we just want to devote this month to talking about the stuff that some people would be like, yeah, right, someday when pigs fly, God will do the miraculous. Yeah, right, someday when pigs fly, that will be active in my life, or whatever your thing may be that maybe is with God that you would say is just too much or too impossible or not going to happen. We're going to go after that this month. Are you with me? And um, we said this before. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. It says this. It says, God's expectation of you is to do the impossible, or you could say walk in the miraculous. And you say, how can you say that? You know, isn't that kind of like a big leap to make? But there's this teaching that we find where, you know, the, they're talking to Jesus and, they're, and he's basically saying, look, as I'm getting ready to leave this earth, ascend into heaven, they're talking about what the future or the New Testament church, which is us, is going to look like. And he says, listen, all of my disciples, all of my believers, like you're going to do even greater things than me. Now, remember, the greater things are he raised the dead, he healed the sick, he blind eyes opened. He said, look, you're going to do even great. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you'll do even greater things than me because I'm sending you this Holy Spirit, this helper. Therefore, we get this idea that his expectation is that we do get to walk in the impossible and in the miraculous. The hard part is anytime something has great strength from God, the enemy or the devil, the scripture, uh, his name, Satan, is, is the accuser the accuser of the brethren, and I'm not going to get all weird about the devil's going to get you and all that, but there's the truth about evil. There is evil. It wouldn't take me very long to scroll through some websites and start putting up some devastating, terrible articles about things happening to children and things happening to people where it'd be pretty easy to look and go, obviously there is such a thing as evil and evil works. And you wouldn't look at it and go, oh, maybe it's possible. No, there's something sadistic and demonic happening, right? Wouldn't take long. Because there is an enemy, there is a devil who hates us, and it's like the scripture said, out to steal, kill, and, kill and destroy against our lives. And so I, I said all that to say, anytime there's a strength given or a promise given or a thing that, that's like, hey, this is, your, this is your weapon, like we said, we're going to fight our battles, this is your thing, the enemy's going to do a great job to try to twist it and dis distort it, and just like in the Garden of Eden, okay, in the very beginning, God says, listen, you can eat of every tree. You're blessed with everything, and this place is perfect. But just don't eat of that one, because when you eat of that one, you'll surely die. And so then the enemy, the accuser, comes up, he shows up, and he says, hey, has God really said and starts to twist and question and distort what was really put in place and therefore a sin happened and then the, the fall of man. It's the same thing. It's like God puts something, and the enemy comes in, he tries to twist and distort and ruin. And so what am I saying? I'm saying this is what happens in the realm of miracles. God's design, he's given us the strength. Oh, my expectation of you is to walk in the miraculous and the impossible and see signs and wonders. But then all of a sudden it gets prostituted by churches. They start using, you know, these big, you know, and I'm not against arenas and I'm not, but we've seen it where people are throwing jackets and they've turned this thing into a commercialized. And we've seen literally people uh, lie through these. They've put earpieces in and they've just made this mockery of this movement of the signs and wonders. Are you with me? But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater because the scripture is full of saying that the New Testament church is going to walk in the miraculous. And I love that it's called a sign and a wonder, that, that God will use us to do signs and wonder. A sign is going to be that people are going to look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is a sign that he is God. 
I don't know how this marriage was so in the dumps. And then God showed up in their life and did a miracle. And it's a sign that God cares. Are you with me? Or I don't know how this person had cancer and they said it was stage four and there's no way. And the next time they check the scans, he's healed. It's a sign. And it's also going to make you wonder. Wow, what is this? Is there more in there? Does God want to do more? Signs and wonder should be normal. It's again what I mentioned a minute ago. It's so funny. We, 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 you know, the game, this is all this other stuff that we get fanatical about. You know, we, it's not a big deal. Outward expressions of emotion. But when it comes to believing in the miraculous, we start to go like, I don't know. Other people are going to get fanatical. It's a sign and a wonder. It should cause you yeah. to do something outside of your comfort zone. So this morning, I want to talk about, again, we talked about healing last week, but I want to talk about the miraculous miracles, healings that I believe God has really called us to do. And the problem, again, like I said, is, is it's gotten distorted. It's gotten made a bad name, but it's God's design for the miraculous is for it to be actually normal in your life. It's weird that the word miracle or miraculous is what we use because God's posture about it in your life isn't actually as if it should even be miraculous. It should be normal. Now, the reason we keep it miraculous is because we're honoring God. We're giving glory, God, to it. We understand that it all comes through him in the miracle that is him using us. But he wants it in your everyday life. It's all throughout the gospel. And, uh, and so here's what I want you to know as you hear these next things. And you're going to hear me talk about, because, again, this is the Pigs Fly series. You picked a weird series to come to. I didn't make you come to this one. You did this. So if you're like, man, he's talking about weird stuff. Well, you decided to come. I didn't, you know. So we're talking about miraculous and signs and wonders and, and, and these things of God. But I want you to know that, that God wants this to be the normal everyday part of the body of Christ, of the believer. He's got promises for us. People always say to me, oh, God is so restricting. The ways of God is so, you know, he, he, he wants to hold you back and God's got so many rules. But the truth is God has more promises for your life than he does rules. And those, those rules or those mentions that he made, they were all for your benefit anyway. Literally in the garden, he said, don't eat of that tree because you'll surely die. It's the same thing about all the promises he gave us in scripture. It would be as if I had you over to my house. You've heard me say this before. If I had you over to my house, I was like, hey, I'm glad you're watching the house. You can eat whatever you want. Uh, you know, you can just whatever the, the fridge, you, you, you know, you can have whatever in the pantry. Don't touch my chips and dip. That's my, you know, that's just for me. But I, no chips and dip fans in here. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm not coming to your house. <laughs> So it's like, hey, all of it, you may freely eat of all of this. You can do this thing. This is all your, but you see that bottle of cyanide in there? Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't drink that. Don't eat that. Because when you do, it's not going to be good for you. That's how the promises of God work. He's not being an angry, evil, restricting, rule-making God. He's saying like, look, I've provided all these great things for you that you can access, but don't do that because if you do, it'll be bad. And that's how the promises of God work. I've given you all these promises. Don't do that. It's better if you do this. That's what every promise of God is like. Ah, it's not best to do it like that. It's better if you do it like this because it'll be better because he created us and knows what's better. Yeah. Amen. And so when we, again, talk about the ways of God and the heart of God and, and going after God, he knows these promises. If we live this way, it's better. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So, again, specifically talking about healing, uh, it's interesting. Today, the church in America wrestles very much with the idea of is healing for today? Does God still heal? Uh, does God still want to heal? And what's interesting and probably frustrating for God is God is so far past, do I still heal? It's not even an issue of does God still heal? Is his desire to still heal? 
He's so far past that. He's actually on the side of not only do I still heal and do I want to heal, I actually want to be using you to heal people. Why are we still talking about do I or don't I? I'm over here saying like I do and I want you to be a part of that. It's, it's not a side piece to the gospel. It's the core. It's the everything to being a believer is that God is a restorer and a healer of all things. It's not like every once in a while, if all the stars align, his message is about restoration, making broken things whole. That's what he does. Amen. Amen. Healing is central or at the center of the gospel. So this message of Jesus came and he saved us. And he, you know, as we call upon his name, we accept him as a Lord and Savior. Our sins are forgiven. The gospel message of the work that he did on the cross, a bunch of us believe that that gets us to heaven and that's God's plan for us for eternity. But literally in the same smack dab middle of that is the work of healing, the work that he provided healing. It is uh, not a side piece. It's the center or the core of the gospel. God's restoration work is at the center of it all. And here's the thing about it is it's not just a work that God does. You've heard me just even mention it now. It's a mandate on the believer's life to be a part of. You're called to dark places to bring about restoration. The whole message of the body of Christ is to be a people who help bring about restoration through God. God has chosen us to bring about healing to this world. What, a, what an honor, what a blessing. It's not a side piece. It's a primary issue. It's a mandate on the believer to be a person who walks in all that God has for us in, in restoring this world. Amen. Uh, point number one I'll give you, and I'll explain just a little bit. Uh, but, but point number one, that's a weird thing preachers say. Like, I'm going to explain for the next 20 minutes. Uh, point number one, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to explain it. Well, of course I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain for the next 20 minutes. It's like, what do you Point number one, and then I'll talk to you about it. Healing is a part of the atonement. That's a big church word. That's a big theology word. But the atonement is the reconciliation of God and humankind through Jesus Christ. It's where we all sin. You know, sin happened in the garden. We fell short. God sent Jesus to the earth to reconcile God to mankind. He paid a price for us on the cross to, to put us. Are you with me? Healing is a part of that atonement. We saw last week, I shared with you, Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes, we are healed. It literally is a part and a purpose of him sending his son was to provide healing for us, for us to be able to walk in healing. Not like a side piece, if the stars align, if it might be, if God's in a good mood. No, it was a part of the transaction of what happened on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says the same thing. It mentions again that the work of the cross provided for us healing. He did this, and here should be our mindset. If he did this, where is it in our life? If it was provided for, if it was purchased for us, if it was a part of the work of the cross, then our question needs to be as a believer and as a body of Christ, where is it in our life? Think about it like this. If your spouse went grocery shopping and your uh, they come, you come home and, and all the groceries are out and you help put them all away. And then you're taking a look at the receipt and you see steak is on there and you see fancy cheeses, all the expensive and wines that, well, not wine because we're Christians, but wine is on there. And, okay. All right. And so it's on there and lobster. And like, you see that there's a good purchase made. It's going to be a good meal, right? And all of it's on there. 
But all of a sudden, you remember when you were putting away groceries, you didn't see it. The transaction says it's there. It was paid for. It was purchased for your life, but it's not there. How many of you would go, well, if it's, I guess if it was Meyer's will that it would be a part of my life, I guess not. But we do that with God. He's paid for it. He's made the transaction. He's provided it for you. And we go, well, I guess if I don't see it, I guess I don't, whatever. No, if that happened in my life, I'd be going back to Meyer and being like, hey, this was paid for. I need this to be a part of my life. Are you with me? But why do we do that with God? If like, well, maybe someday if the thing, no, my God bore stripes on his back so that I could have access to this. Are you with me? He did it. And uh, I think about my wife and she's in the front row this time. She got out of it in second, first service. But when H, everybody loves stories about Jeff, so I'm going to give you a good one. Uh, It's not a bad one, kind of. But when HD first came out, we were first married and like, you know, I went out and got a flat screen TV and 1080p and LED, you know, it was amazing. And so we got this. Well, how many know, like on your cable box, it has a channel and then that channel has like an HD version and a not HD version. So I would come home from work and she'd be sitting there watching the not HD version. The not HD version. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> so I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd go out in the driveway and like calm down, you know. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I can continue in this kind of living. And so I'd be like, why are you watching the HD channel? Like, you're watching the bad version. She's like, I don't know. I'd have to push the guide and do the thing. It sounds like a lot of work. And I just, it's just easier if I just watch the, she's like, I don't really care that much. Do you know we do the same thing with God? As Christians, we do the same thing. God's provided it. He's equipped you in it. He sent it to you. And then we just kind of go, I don't know. I'd have to read a little. I'd have to study a little more. I'd have to see what the word says. I'm just, I'm content with the way it is now. What a disservice to what God provided for us on the cross. Are you with me? He want, that's why, you know, they made that term full gospel. And that's where a lot of these weird churches come from. We're getting close though. I have a tambourine. I'm about to bring it on a Sunday. (laughs) But that's where full gospel came from. As they said... (laughs) I'm joking. Some of you got excited. Like, I've been waiting. I told you he was going to one day let us get that tambourine. Well, I think Nico has one, doesn't he? Oh, last week there was one. Oh, yeah. My mom's over there waving her hanky. No, that's, that is not what we do, mother. So full gospel came from, we want all of this. Like our gospel needs to include everything that God said we could have. Are you with me? That's why it's such a ripoff when you go, we believe in God the Father and Son Jesus, but that Holy Spirit's for the old days. That's for the old. And we, are you with me? We want all of it. If, it, if it's provided for, if it's sent, amen. So funny with John 3.16. We go, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. If anyone believes in him, not perish, but have eternal life. And we love and we stake our claim, and we write it on things, and we teach it. It's the most memorized version, uh, Scripture, John three sixteen, because it describes the work of the cross for our salvation, and we believe it wholly, and we hold to it, but the same work of the cross says that you have access to healing. Yeah. We should hold on to that just as much as John three sixteen. Number two, a major part of Jesus' ministry was healing. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, 
for God was with him. Now, don't get all weird about the whole oppressed by the devil. Everybody's like, is he going to start casting out demons or whatever? No, it's when you show up into a situation that you know is being oppressed by evil and you say, this has got to stop. Suicidal thoughts can't be here. Depression can't be here. We believe that you're going to be set free. That's setting oppressed people by the devil free. Stop making it so weird. It's like, hey, I don't like seeing this happen in your life. I believe God can set you free of it because he has me too. And then you just, amen. But I love this. It says, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Who was the God that was with him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was walking with, was with, was empowering Jesus. Remember, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, saying the Holy Spirit was an active part of the ministry of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, his way is not just good sermons. If all we do is go to a church and hear a good sermon and hear some good songs and we just leave it all these poems and there's no power, then we're not walking in the fullness of the kingdom. You can't say, oh, it's for another day when the scripture says that the kingdom of God is one of power, transformational power. Amen. The scripture says that Jesus was the one who revealed the kingdom. He came and lived through his preaching and through his power. He revealed what the kingdom is like. Uh, So his ministry was full of healing. He was showing us that his kingdom is about healing, setting captives free. That means our churches should be about seeing people healed. Even in the times of surrounded by massive unbelief, you see in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, he's in a place where he's surrounded by massive unbelief. And it says, now he could not do mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and they were healed. I love that like a bad day for Jesus is like the best year of a church in America. (laughs) Said he couldn't do a big mighty work because of unbelief, but still miracles. So even, even on a bad day of Jesus ministry, there was still sick being healed. What am I trying to say? It was such a huge part of his ministry that it, it matters. He wanted us to know that healing is a part of the believer's life. Amen. Amen. And then I love this. He gave us power to do the same thing. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. What are we called? We're called to be disciples. So what does this scripture mean? Jesus called you to him and gave you authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I love this in verse 7, if you read on. It says, as you go... As you go what? To the store, to work, to whatever you do. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So I love, love, love this. Uh, In John chapter 20, uh, it says this in verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, what he's saying is the way that the Father has sent me to earth is the way that I'm sending you to go operate. He's saying, as I have been sent, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit, because that gives you the power. Receive that Holy Spirit. Uh, Here's what I want to back up and say. He's saying, uh, pray for the sick, drive out demons, healings, all, all, all of these kinds of things he's called into your life. Are you with me? He's called it into our life. And so he's saying, as I am sent, as I've been sent, I'm sending you. 
Freely you've received, freely you've given. Here's how natural this is supposed to be. Anytime you've had breakthrough or you've understood something or you've got wisdom or you've got revelation or something's come into your life that you're like, freely I've received this, freely I've gotten wisdom, I, I want to give this to somebody else, is the way that you should be operating in this. Here's an example, and a terrible example. It's just the best that I could give. But anytime you have breakthrough in your life, your eyes have been opened, you've been enlightened to something, you're like, wow, of course you want to go share that with somebody very naturally. Uh, I have this thing called the pyro claw. It gets better. And uh, it's used for bonfires. So you have like a campfire and it's this thing and literally you can pick up burning pieces of wood and restack them to keep a very nice flame and not a lot of smoke. Well, freely as that like revelation has been given to me, you know what I want to do with that? Freely give that information to other people. I'm at a campground and I see somebody over there sticking stuff with a stick and they're trying to get this thing. And uh, I see them over and I'm like, you barbarians. You just don't even know what has been provided for you. And I go over there, I'm like, hey, I see that you kind of suck at making fires. Have you ever heard of a pyroclaw? You're not walking in your fullness over here. So you're not walking in your fullness. I need you to come into the understanding that you don't have to live like that. Like, whoosh, get out the claw. That's a terrible example, and I told you that from the beginning. But freely, as I've understood and, and my eyes have been opened to this new realm in my life, are you with me, is the same way that you should go and share, which means you're at the store and you see somebody with a backache or a bum knee or something's happened and you see like, oh, I know, barbarian, you don't have to walk around with a sickness and a disease because I've been freely given this thing that God can heal you. And so you go up to me like, hey, that looks rough. I had this, or I knew of this, and God wants to heal you, and then you just pray a simple prayer, and you don't push them down, and you don't, are you with me? <laughs> like, you don't got to be weird, but, but you just, you go, because the way that he sent Jesus is the way that he's sending us, and Jesus went about towns, and he just was praying for the sick and saw him healed, because that's the expectation on our life, is that we walk so normally in the miraculous, are you with me? Yeah. All right, let's keep going. What time the Lions played? We got till one, or what are we? I need to get a pizza before that, so 12.30. Let's cut it at 12.30. We all agree that the Great Commission is important, and it involves every believer. Nobody argues that the Great Commission is, like, only for a certain group. If you're a believer, you believe that that Great Commission has been given to you. Uh, and we talk about the Great Commission, go on the highway and byways and go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we love that evangelism side of it. That's the Great Commission. But here's what I want you to look at in a couple things here. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, where we get the Great Commission, uh, he, does, he makes a couple great statements about how we're called to live after he's gone. Uh, the first one you see before he ascends into heaven is Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. It's okay to have signs, and these things should be following us in our life, those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents, they will drink anything deadly, and it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So it's saying, look, these people who go in my name and operate in the way that I've called them to, and obviously it gets weird with snakes and serpents and all that kind of stuff. What is it saying? It's saying the works of the enemy won't have their way with you. That's what this is trying to say. But it's saying you will be a people that, who lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It didn't say you line them up in a row and wave your jacket over them and then take up an offering for $7,777 and I'll send you a prayer cloth. It didn't say that. Are you with me? 
It said you'll just go around, and it'll be natural in your life. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, verse 19, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The Great Commission says this. It says, go out and reach people. But it says this, everything that was commanded to the disciples is to be taught to everybody else who's claimed to be a Christian and a Christ follower. And how long do we follow these teachings out? To the end of the time, to the end of time. Not, not for just the Old Testament, not just for the acts of the disciples. We follow these teachings and these leadings and these ways of God until the end of time. So if he taught people and, and gave people authority to heal people, then he's given that same thing to us. I know it's weird. <laughs> I know it's weird. And we make it weird. And we make it so much weirder than it should be. But it shouldn't be. You show up at the lunch table and someone says, man, I'm just so depressed. I'm so defeated. I'm just, I don't think I can ever get out of this. And you go, you know what? Can I pray for you? And you lay hands on a sick situation. You believe that it can be recovered. Amen. Don't make it a big, crazy deal. Amen? So... Make disciples, all these things that I commanded, which is heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. I'm going to say this before I move on. Uh, I'll close with this. Again, last week I discussed, and I just for time's sake can't get into it all now, but last week I discussed unanswered prayer. I've said I've literally done funerals for some of my best friends that I believed for God to heal them, and they died of cancer, just as frank as I can say it, believed for the miraculous, and they didn't. And then over here, I've seen people healed of them in the miraculous. I've seen both. And so I handle most of that question in last week's sermon. You're going to have to just look into it. But I know that there's, there, there's, a, there's a tension in the middle. And the scripture, what we used last week, says that his ways are higher. We can't see or think like he thinks. We don't know. Uh, and so much of that we'll get into from last week. But here's what I, I know is this. Uh, we try to understand, is it God's will? Oh, is it God's will to heal? Does he want to heal? Is it God's will? Well, here's one way that you start to discover that. If I were to give you my will, uh, hey, here's my will. Essentially what I'm doing is I'm writing out my words. Hey, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm dying, whatever. Here's my will. Uh, I want you to have these words. It's my will. This is my will. This is my desire. This is my impressions, my, my thoughts, my ways. Here's my will. That's what the scripture is. God gave us his words to understand his will for our life. Uh, and so that's one way. Then another way is this, to understand God's will and, and, and what his way is for us in the term of the miraculous and the healing. The scripture says that we're called to pray. This is the Lord's prayer. But part of the Lord's prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. We know the kingdom of God. Jesus modeled it was in power, not just in preach, but his kingdom was full of healing, signs and wonders and miraculous. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So thy will being done is heaven on earth. So God's will is for earth to look like heaven. Well, let me ask you this then. Does heaven have cancer? Does heaven have disease? No, it doesn't. So the will of God is for earth to look like heaven. So anytime you're like, should we pray for this? Is it God's will? All you have to do is, does this line up with heaven? And if it doesn't, then yeah, you pray and you tackle it and you believe that God's going to move in it. 
There's no depression in heaven. There's no anxiety. There's no suicide. Amen. We pray heaven to earth. I thought about this. Uh, Even Jesus modeled his heart toward healing. Luke chapter five, verse 12, the leper says to him, hey, will you, you know, I need you to heal me. Approaches him with healing. And he says to Jesus, are you willing? This question to him, he's, he's wondering about God's will, Jesus' will. He says, if you're willing, heal me. And Jesus says, I'm willing and heals him. Now, if Jesus, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the scripture says in Romans that God is not a respecter of persons, meaning he doesn't play favorites. If he did it for the leper, he'll do it for you. If he was willing then, he's willing now to heal. Amen. And again, I don't know. I don't have your answer. Even as your pastor, I don't know the middle of why sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I try to answer that the best I can in last week's sermon. But I know this, that God's desire is to heal heaven on earth. His desire is to heal and to use us to be a part of that healing. Amen. In my last one minute, I want to say this because this has gotten twisted in churches. Last week, I gave the example where Paul said he had the thorn in his flesh. And the scripture said, uh, Jesus, the response is, in your weakness, uh, you are strong. Like God gets the glory. And I talked about how he boasts. Some people say that uh, that was a sickness that had been given to him for God to receive the glory. Uh, And I don't believe that to be true. I believe that to be a huge leap. We don't know what the whole situation is, but here's what I know doesn't line up with the, the word of God is it doesn't make any sense. And here's what I want you to know is that God doesn't give you sickness to teach you a lesson because it doesn't line up with his will. If his will is to be a healer, then why would he put sickness on you? Because then you'd be praying against his will if you were praying for healing. God doesn't use sickness and put sick. It's not of him. It's not in him. Are you with me? The scripture talks at great length about trials and temptations and circumstances uh, producing character and doing a work in you, but it's not sickness. That's not in the Bible. And then another great example we have is every time in scripture someone was brought to Jesus for healing, Jesus healed them. You can't find a scripture that says Jesus prayed for someone and they were healed. He, He prayed for them all and they were all healed. Amen. He wants to do the same today. I appreciate you digging deep, church, and these sermons have been a little bit longer and services have been a little bit longer, but we talked about it last week. You know, God's not interested in God poem services. We need power of God churches. There's too much at stake in our world. Like the world needs us to be power of God, signs and wonder. There's too much darkness. There's too much evil. There's too much oppression. There's too much hurt. There's too much pain. There's too much rejection. I could go on and on and on. The love of God, the scripture says, perfect love cast out all fear. We got a scared world and they need to understand and find this perfect love of God. And it needs to be on display by the body of Christ, signs and wonders that he's alive and he's true and he loves them. Amen. And so I appreciate you digging deep and we're going to continue to do it next week uh, in this series and then through our Holy Spirit classes. Make it a priority. Uh, It will be an incredible, incredible benefit to your life to be at that. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then I got a couple announcements. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. Lord, I thank you that it is a central part of our lives as believers to see you move in the supernatural and in the signs and wonders. God, we thank you for everything you've done in our lives. God, we ask that you use us to be people who move in your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.